This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Pop the champagne because your 1972 Miami Dolphins remain the only undefeated team in the history of the world. And with that, let me welcome you into an extra spooky episode of Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts, which means I must be joined by the verified journalist himself, a man that once completed a Rubik's Cube, the ying to my yang, Jake Mendel. How's it going today, Jake? Josh, I'm scared. I'm scared and it has almost everything to do with Halloween. It's I think it's going to be a horror show on Sunday. Uh, so I, I'm glad we were able to start with something positive. The 72 Dolphins surviving another year. I just wish we could kind of tell some stories like, uh, you know, people who are alive in like the 1985, right? Where you can knock off the Chicago Bears who end up winning the Super Bowl. But that was the difference between the undefeated season. You know, I remember thinking in 2007, you know, I remember my dad telling me, 
this, you know, we have a shot, you know, there isn't a lot going on this season. I think the Dolphins were absolutely awful in 2007. Uh, but, you know, you, we could have the pride to knock off the Patriots and then they got killed like 50 to nothing. So, so let's hope better days are ahead. I hope better days are ahead. And I mean, the only reason they were able to pop the champagne was because the Green Bay Packers defeated the Arizona Cardinals last night, 24 to 21. Um, I, I don't know if you saw Jake, but I know everyone was tweeting about it. I prematurely tweeted out a picture of Don Shula sipping the champagne right as I thought Aaron <laughs> Jones crossed the line. I was getting battered for that. So um, I just hope that someday we have something that we can hang our hat on because it, I mean, this was 50 years ago and this is still one of the biggest things that's happened to this franchise. I tweeted, you know, other than drafting Dan Marino, we honestly have not done shit since this happened. So um, um, I'm proud of the Dolphins, I guess, for being the only undefeated team yet, but let's just hope that we can see something this significant. Yeah, we want something more than just pictures on elevators, right? That's kind of our shining seven and nine seasons and eight and eight and all that crap. We can't even get those anymore, right? <laughs> well, Josh, it seems like Tua is going to get a shot to pull the Dolphins up and, and see if he can get into that. You know, I don't want to say respectable, but after a one and six start, if this team ended up winning six, seven games, I mean, you kind of feel like you did in 2019, but before we talk about that, Josh, let's just sweep this right under the rug for the sake of, I think we kind of called this yesterday. This was like our uh, Don Shula pictured pop in the bubbly that you posted a little early. And, and that's that Adam Sheffman this week said that Miami is the only place that Deshaun Watson is going to wind up. And the question is whether a trade actually gets done. They're trying to see if everything can get done by the trade deadline. I Schefter added that he doesn't think that's possible. He doesn't envision that happening. Brian Flores today added that barring injury to it is the Dolphins quarterback for the rest of 2021. So Josh, I mean, all man has his word. Can, can we definitively say that Watson is at least put on hold until the end of the 2021 season? I, I mean, this kind of reminds me of the whole Nick Saban thing. I mean, I, I don't know if we can definitely put it away. I mean, I know we all want to. I don't know. Did you listen to the press conference? Those are I mean, our memories. Yeah, Imagine, you, like, in the, having a 1972 memory. We got Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah. We got Nick Saban lying right to our face. And now he's the greatest college coach ever. But did you watch the press conference, Jake? Because this goes back to the don't not feel wanted. I mean, if you listen to what Brian Flores said, I mean, these beat writers basically had to, you know, finish the sentence for him. They gave him a get out of free jail card. I mean, he was sitting there stumbling around, too, as our quarterback. But, but, and then I think one of the reporters said barring injury and these are, yeah, barring injury. So I, I didn't take too much away from this. I mean, I think it does go back to, there's just too much going on right now with the whole Deshaun Watson thing that this trade could realistically get done, at least in my opinion, before the deadline, but um, I, just the way he beat around the question and, you know, try to avoid it. I mean, clearly the Dolphins have interest in him. Clearly, you know, he's not going to go out there and lie, but I don't know, Jake, someone threw out there. I think it was uh, from the Palm Beach Post or something. They mentioned, you know, Flores had made similar proclamations in the past, but hasn't stuck to them. He called the quarterback job settled when Josh Rosen replaced Ryan Fitzpatrick early in the 2019 season. So, um, again, I'm sorry I can't give you a direct quote on who that was because it was an image that was sent to me. But it just goes back to the point, man. I don't trust anybody. I try not to trust anybody. And um, I guess we'll see the way this thing plays out. I mean, what, three days now? We're three days away from the trade deadline? I, I don't know, man. November 2nd, yeah. And what's interesting, Josh, is you you add the Josh Rosen thing, and I don't think we're asking that Brian Flores be friendly with the media by any means. I mean, I think we understand he has that hard-nosed personality, and when things are going bad, I, things aren't going to be any easier. But, I mean, he got pelted for a year about questions about tank for Tua. Are you guys tanking? Are you guys trying to win football games? The next year, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua answering those questions every week. So it's just kind of weird that he needs to kind of you know get that get out of jail free card, like you said, but all that being said, Josh, from all the rumors that have come out, I think we can say pretty confidently that the dolphins 
want there to be some sort of clear sight for Watson's return to the football field. And that just isn't in the cards right now. So I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, let's let's touch on we, we a do have to, other. We do have to shout out Cameron there. Wolf because I mean he was the one that asked the question. It seemed like he was very persistent with that, and he even brought up the X stuff. He's like, a year ago I was here. You mentioned Xavier Howard would not be traded. Why can't you speak on this? And again. He did not directly say the Dolphins have no interest in Deshaun Watson. But to Flora's point, I mean, he came from Bill Belichick, came from New England. I mean, he's been this way in his press conferences since he got here. So I don't know why we're surprised by that. Before we move on, I just want to get your thoughts on this because everyone's talking about it. Why isn't Chris Greer, you know, met with the media? I think I've heard that he declines all these interviews, hasn't spoken. You know, he doesn't do anything except for the pre-draft, I think, when he talks to the media. So I think I'd like to see our general manager come out and speak on this. But uh Brian Flores is a guy that keeps going out there. He's the lightning rod in front of the media. And I think, you know, I don't want to say I feel bad for him because he's being, you know, bombarded with these questions every day, but I'm just going to stop there. I can't feel bad. For, I can't feel bad for Brian Flores. I was going to say if we were going to take Brian Flores off the shit list, but I mean, it, it seems like people are kind of going in that direction, but but I, I'm not there yet. I can't. I, he's, he's still on the shit list for me. I need to see smiles and a win on the sideline. Uh, to kind of feel better. That's about all that Brian matters. Flores. If they go out there and play good this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, all of this stuff will be forgotten. And, you know, then people might start believing too is your guy because, you know, uh, you got to beat Buffalo if you want to have any chance in the AFC. And preparing for that game, Josh, it sounds like Will Fuller will not return from IR this week, but is moving in the right direction. And this kind of goes back to Brian Flores sticking to that coach lingo, right? Because he added that both Devontae Parker and Jerome Baker are moving in the right direction. Good positive news there. I did see Adam Beasley of Pro Football Network said that he doesn't think Will Fuller is anywhere close to returning. So uh, I, I can't put too much stock into this, Jake. But when you're without, you know, a Will Fuller, I hear Devontae Parker trade rumors. Did you hear that from Albert Breer? I think he said that, you know, Devontae Parker's being talked about with some teams. So got to think with Jerome Baker possibly playing, you know, we need him in there, don't we? We need a Jerome Baker out there because without him, I mean, we talked about on a different podcast, you know, linebacker is one of the biggest needs of this team. Without Jerome yeah. Baker, I mean, that linebacking core looks pretty dismal. Josh, you're 100% right about that one. And I guess the biggest question we both have head of this weekend's very spooky game is, do we really, do we really have to do this again? Do we have to play the Buffalo Bills? Because Josh, this has been a disaster of a matchup for the Miami Dolphins. They haven't won against Buffalo under Brian Flores. The last win against Buffalo for the Miami Dolphins was 2018. It was a 21-17 win. Jordan Phillips had a taunting penalty that helped Miami win that one. It story kind of writes a circle (laughs) and then to kind of bring it back you know the people who are alive for the 72 season also remember that the bills did not beat the miami dolphins once in the 1970s and that split right down the middle in the 1980s where miami won 11 of the 20 games and ever since man it's been either buffalo or a tie right down the middle we talk about the patriots being the team that you know wins the afc east but in terms of how we feel entering games against new england Versus how we enter games against Buffalo. I think we feel more comfortable entering games against New England. And that's not just this year. I'd say over the last, you know, two, three years. And that's pretty weird to say. It is. And it goes back to them drafting Josh Allen. You know, those first two years, I mean, we all in Dolphins sort of making jokes. You know, he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. He was sailing passes. What he has become is just, I mean, he's literally a top three quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, he's playing out of this world. Um, Last time these two teams met back in week two, 35 nothing. The Dolphins got shut out. Obviously, Jesse Davis, you know, missed that block, allowed Tua Tumvalo to get hit out of that game, but 35 nothing, man, and you're right. I mean, you know, we went from the New England Patriots being that team that we feared year after year. Now it's the Buffalo Bills, and heading into this week's matchup, I mean, in, in weeks past, we try to stay optimistic, but I just feel like this is going to be a bloodbath. That is a fierce Buffalo offense, and that is 
you know, different than what we're used to seeing up in Buffalo is a defensive minded team, you know, Sean McDermott, defensive minded coach. Uh, but for the Dolphins to really be involved with this game, I think the Bills are going to put up points. And the only way to keep up with the team putting up points is, Josh, some breaking news. You have to score yourself. So I think this is probably the one bright spot we've had over the last couple of weeks. Uh, again, it's just kind of letting the story unfold here. And that's, you know, if Tua can come out and keep this game competitive, man, I think the tone around this team changes quite a bit. Uh, he had 291 yards, four touchdowns last week, those two head scratching interceptions, but a rating of 109.5. He completed one of four passes against Buffalo, Josh, before his ribs exploded. I had to double check that because what happened at, in those first couple series is insane. You know, two of the first three game, uh, plays of the game were sacks, three and out punt. I think Gaskin had like a five yard run in the middle of that. And then an incomplete pass to Jalen Waddle on fourth and two was his last play. Uh, Josh, it was just an overall mess. But I mean, I think this is going to be a different Dolphins team and we can start with maybe Tua's feeling a little more comfortable. He doesn't look like that guy who played in new England in week one, but a little bigger than that. I mean, the offensive line isn't exploding in the matter of, you know, 0.5 seconds. Now they're only getting atomized in three seconds, which is long enough for Tua to get something going. Yeah. And I mean, I know this is breaking news, but hopefully your team has progressed over these last few weeks. You know, hopefully this is a much different team than what the Dolphins put on the field in week two, because like you mentioned, man, those first two series with Tua at the helm were absolutely dismal. You mentioned here, Buffalo's pass defense has a 62.1 passer rating, the best in the league. They're allowing 5.7 yards per pass, also best in the league, and they average two sacks a game. But back to Tua, man, I mean... He's played very well these last few weeks, but I think the difference, again, is the defenses that he played. I mean, they weren't juggernauts by any stretch of the imagination. So I want to see how they match up because this is yep. the main event. This is the heavyweight fight. If Tua goes up there and wins this game, I mean, could you imagine those those headlines that come out? I mean, people in Buffalo, they would be second-guessing everything, and that's what we want, right? Yeah, Josh, and it's hard to not be hopeful and see some sort of progress out of this team, but we both have said so far that we are kind of expecting that bloodbath which we're back to square one, right? We're talking about what the Dolphins are going to do in the offseason at quarterback instead of is maybe two of the guys. So, you know, I'd love to see some sort of positive performance. And Josh, that Buffalo front four looked like world beaters in week two, but that hasn't really been the case. Obviously, you play against Miami's offensive line that changes things. Uh, they're averaging 2.3 sacks on the year, but that's down to 1.7 over the last three games. That isn't huge, Josh, but I mean, when you consider that two of the first three plays of the game were sacks against Miami the first time, you'll take that if you can get those two sacks out of the way right away. And additionally, Josh, maybe a Miami Dolphins rushing attack, maybe a little Selvan Ahmed gashing up the Buffalo Bills defense because they're six in the league, averaging 89.7 uh, yards per game. And everyone's wondering, why am I excited saying that? Is he losing it? Well, they're also giving up 104 yards over the last three games, including 146 to the Titans. Obviously, the Dolphins don't have anything uh, close to Derrick Henry, but I mean, it's hard not to kind of see that this Bills defense isn't the main event with this team. And I'm not saying they're bad because, you know, points per game, they're the lowest. The pass defense is incredible. Uh, but, you know, they start to play some better teams and I'm in no way saying Miami is a good team, but it's not the 85 Bears defense that they have over there. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to try to force turnovers. The Dolphins turn the ball over a lot. And that's where the stats, I think, would start to get really ugly. I think a clean game is the start of maybe seeing something happen because it's the team. Maybe you're not going to run up and down the field. You might be able to move the chains a little bit and give yourself a couple more opportunities to maybe find a broken play or maybe have someone make that big play the team needs. I think you're laying down the foundation for what the Dolphins have to do. And again, it goes back to, you know, just 
obvious things, right? Running the football. I mean, that was the one thing they avoided for how many weeks they had 132 yards on the ground last week. I mean, they've been running the football much better now that two is out there and uh, you can't sit here and say that's not opening things up for him, you know, whether it's the play action, whether it's just allowing him to see things differently, making the defense respect the run. I mean, that's not something we had over the first few weeks this season. You mentioned Salvin Ahmed. I mean, I love what he can do in the past game. Love that he, I don't want to say he's more consistent, but I mean, Miles Gaskin's been up and down lately. I mean, one week he had 10 catches, looked awesome. The next week he was dropping balls. So I, I think those guys are a nice one head one two punch. I want to see who's coming. No, up. we'll call it a one headed monster that they combine to make one head. I'm, I'm all in for I mean, that. they're practically brothers, right? So, one headed monster, they're, they're the same person. Um, I want to see what Jared Dokes comes up. Is he going to be that guy yep. that's going to go out there and maybe get us that short yardage? But, um, I, I just want to see this Dolphins team have a complete performance, Jake. And you know, we're going into this. We were terrified and we, I mean, I think our feelings in week two, you know, we were all stoked, you know, we just beat the new England Patriots. Yep. We thought, okay, they go out here. They hit uh, bills. The bills rolling one, right? I mean, if we knock them, yep. if we beat them, I mean, we, our entire season might look differently now. I mean, at least from our perspective as fans. So I want to see if Jesse Davis can hold up. I mean, that's been the scariest thing, you know, week after week, I want to see if he can protect uh, to his blind side. And I think that's really what it boils down to. If they can really get that ball moving, can Jalen Waddle get open? Can Mike Gesicki get open and really help that offense score some points against a defense they've had no success with? Josh, let's flip the coin on the other side and let's talk about Miami's defense. Do they have any chance in the world at stopping the Buffalo Bills offense? This is a team that's averaging 33.8 points per game. Uh, the second best offense on third down. Josh Allen has only thrown three picks on the year compared to 15 touchdowns. I mean, this is this is the juggernaut that the Dolphins are going to have to overcome in the AFC East. That's the juggernaut. I mean, before we thought it was the Kansas City Chiefs. Now you're looking at the Buffalo Bills, you know, in division. And I hate that it goes back to, you know, the whole Deshaun Watson thing. But is that not why they're trying to, you know, maybe thinking about making that trade? Because you are you now have, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen's in your division. I mean, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that is why you're even considering this, but Jake, I want to know if this defense can bounce back. I mean, that has been, you know, what we saw from Brian Flores over the first two seasons we were sitting there. I know I personally say, you know, this guy is a defensive guru, you know, one of the best defense coaches in the NFL, they have fallen apart this year, man. I mean, they have looked like Swiss cheese and, you know, yes, there have been some injuries, but you need Xavier Howard to step up. You need Byron Jones to step up. I mean, you're giving those guys upward of 30 million combined. And now they need to go out there, big game against Stefan Diggs, you know, Cole Beasley, Gabe Davis, the list goes on and on. Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, he had a pretty decent game that first week. So I, to answer your question, Jake, no, no, they cannot stop the Buffalo Bills offense. Yeah. I mean, when you have Matt Ryan thrown for 336 yards, that's a huge concern in itself. Miami's defense is 25th in yards per pass attempt, eight yards per pass attempt. Uh, and they have 12 sacks in seven games, which is also not a stat that we're used to seeing under the Brian Flores defense. Emmanuel Agba has 2.5. Brandon Jones, Christian Wilkins, two sacks apiece. But Josh, here's where we break out the sticks, the glue, the bubble gum, whatever we can find to put together a unit. Because if there is a foundation to build upon, it's that opponents are averaging 4.2 yards per carry against the Miami Dolphins, which is 12th in the NFL, but that's a little better than the uh, dumpster fire that's happening in the secondary. So you kind of wonder, Josh, two things. Can you think the secondary will figure it out? Or is it possible that the run defense is just as bad as the pass defense, but the pass defense, you know, you're catching a 70-yard bomb and you don't have any need to run the football? I think it's a little bit of bow, Jake, and I just looked it up, and this is staggering. Miami ranks 30th in the NFL in passing yards per game with 297.1, but over the last three, they've allowed 358 yards through the air um, on average. So, I mean, they have been Swiss. I mean, that is definitely 
without question, bottom in the NFL over the last three weeks. So, uh, I mean, that's where you attack, right? I mean, they got Zach Moss. They got Devin Singletary. So they're already going to give us fits in the run game. They can do a little bit of everything. But I think, you know, when they can run the ball as well as they can, that's going to open everything up. And, I mean, 358 yards, I mean, what the hell? And those were against, you know. And the, do you want to name those quarterbacks they played against? Because that's going to make it sound even worse. Well, it was Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, and who was the other one? Who Carson the, Wentz, right? Oh, man. And they weren't any better against Derek Carr. So, I mean, the, the, these names are just, the, this is probably the worst part about this Miami Dolphins team. And this is why, you know, Brian Flores has to remain, you know, in the burn book or on the hot seat. Same with Chris Greer, because I want to, you know, I think reporters should ask him. You're paying these guys in the secondary so much money. How on earth is this happening? You let Bobby McCain go because you drafted the first safety in the 2021 NFL draft. How are you letting this happen? Because, man, that is not using your resources correctly. If I want to yell about, uh, you know, using a running back on fourth and one, I think we should yell about how bad the secondary has been and how, you know, unfathomable it is that this is how the Dolphins have crumbled and it started on the back end. It has. And again, you don't know if it's because Xavier Howard has a lingering injury, you know, Byron Jones, but that's just excuses. I mean, they're that elite players, or at least we thought so. They need to do better. I looked up the same thing with rushing, Jake, and actually the Dolphins have improved over the last few weeks. They are currently ranked 19th in the NFL with 117.7 yards per game, but over the last three weeks, have only allowed 92.3 yards on the ground. But again, it goes back to what we said. When you're having all that success through the air, why run the football? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Speaking of running the football, though, Josh, Josh Allen, seven yards per carry last time the Dolphins played Oof. the Bills. Devin Singletary, 6.3. And I mean, that touchdown run he had really just took all the air out of uh, Hard Rock Stadium. Stefan Diggs had four receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. So that's kind of another bright spot about that 35 to nothing game. I had to pause because I can't believe I'm saying that. But I remember when we did a podcast after we kind of said that it was 35 to nothing, but it didn't necessarily feel like 35 to nothing because there were a couple of big plays. You know, you lose the turnover battle and that's kind of how a game bottoms out. Uh, but Diggs, you know, if you can get him to catch 50% of the balls that comes his way, I think that is another step in the right direction towards that recipe for success. I agree with you. And I looked it up because I was intrigued to see, you know, how these corners matched up with their receivers and according to player profiler they're more of a fantasy thing so you're looking up Stefan Diggs it tells you who he went against that week um, according to player profile it said Diggs caught three of seven targets for 53 yards when matched up versus Xavier Howard in week two he had two pass breakups and then Byron Jones when he matched up versus Emmanuel Sanders allowed only two of six targets for 55 yards so that he get to give up that big play but I think we all remember I believe Emmanuel Sanders was doing that crosser in the red zone and Byron Jones was in perfect coverage and had that pass breakup so uh I think Jake, you're right. When you look at the when you look at the score, 35 nothing. When you think back to that game, I mean, I remember we were still in that game early on, despite that huge Devin yep. Singletary run, because they were doing some things defensively to stop the Buffalo Bills. But you know, you can only do so much to hold, to stop a juggernaut like them. So something's got to give, Jake, and hopefully this defense can come out here backs against the wall, but I just don't know what has changed, you know, because for a month now we've been saying, oh, the Dolphins, this is going to be the game. They're going to leave all their their bags of tricks out there. You know, we're going to see them showing these 
exotic blitzes and, you know, offensively they're going to do flea flickers and this and that, and they haven't done anything like that. So if you want to beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, you're going to have to do everything you can and empty out the entire chamber if you want to stand a chance. The fastest way to head in the right direction, Josh. I mean, it's pretty simple, and it starts with the practice during the week. It starts before you actually take the field on Sunday. I mean, you look at nine penalties for 83 yards, the three turnovers, man. It was just fumbles falling out of, you know, Jakeem Grant's hands that were frustrating. Over four on fourth down, six sacks allowed. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster, no matter how good or how bad you are. Uh, Buffalo has the league's best turnover margin at 1.8. That has ballooned to 2.7 over the last three games, and they have stolen roughly a whole turnover more than any other team over the three game stretch. So this is a defense, Josh, it kind of reminded me, you know, as we sit here and talk about it, the dolphins defense last year, that bend and don't break, but they're going to be very dangerous, especially as you start to get towards the red zone because they're aggressive and they can take away the football. They have the instincts to do it. Yeah. And I like that you said that because that was the first thing I was thinking of when you sat there and listed off, you know, those turnover margins. I mean, that is why the Dolphins had so much success last year. I was going to joke, you know, this was like Space Jam. Maybe, you know, they were the Monstars and they, you know, sucked up all the Dolphins powers. And now, you know, they're the turnover machine or whatever. So um, I I just don't know, Jake, what's I just don't know how you can go up there and win this game. man. I I just don't know what they can do to beat the Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry, Dolphin fans. I, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, and I wonder, too, if you think back to week 17 of last year, nobody nobody wants to do that. I wonder if that's the game that kind of knocked Miami's mojo out out of whack, and it's been, uh, hasn't been the same since, because even that game against the Patriots in week one, I mean, it was a game, you know, you're happy to win. I'll win like that any day of the week, but you see the Band-Aids that uh, came off in week two and and have been off since. Because let's be honest, ever since that 56-26 loss to the Bills back in week 17, you know, the Dolphins could have made the playoffs or whatever if they won. Um, and after that, everything has spiraled out of control. You know, whether it's the Deshaun Watts rumors, the Tua Tungavaloa stuff, you know, the coaching staff, everything seemed to have just spiraled out of control since that devastating loss last time they played in Buffalo. Let's drop our fantasy dudes real quick, Josh, because I think this is probably one of the Ooh. things that, you know, is, is fun to watch because for as bad this team is, there's... A couple players we're excited to see develop. And for me, Mike Gesicki, man, he week in and week out has been fantastic. He's second on the team in receptions with 37 on 51 targets, which is also second on the team. Uh, He leads the team in yards 427 and has two touchdowns on the air, one in each of the last two weeks. And, you know, Josh, I think the Dolphins are going to be throwing the football a lot. They're a team that doesn't like to run. Combine that with a Vegas spread of 13 and a half points. It sounds like the Dolphins are going to be playing from behind. He caught three of six targets for 41 yards in their first matchup. Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, and Jalen Waddle combined for 23 targets. I have to think that Mike Asicki is a bigger part of the offense this time around. 100% agree, Jake. And I wanted to ask you before I go into my fantasy, dude, is Mike Asicki, you know, the Dolphins' best offensive player? And then, you know, even further than that, is he the best player on this roster right now? I mean, is he? That's a great question, Josh. And I think you have to be right just based on production. I think we were saying earlier in the year, uh, Byron Jones, we were talking about him and and that really crumbled pretty fast. But I mean, that's a great question when you kind of sit there and think if, you know, you had the Madden roster open, who's going to be at the top? That's the, you know, how I always picture it inside my head. And I I think it would have to be, you know, a Gasicki overall at like an 89 or something like that. I think that would be the move. I think they undervalue good players on bad teams, though, in games like Madden, where he would only be an 83 or an 84. And I really can't blame him with how poor this team's been. Right. And I guess the only person that you could even maybe argue is Xavier Howard defensively. But Mike Kosicki, I mean, just the fact that we're talking about this, I mean, is that not reason why they need to go out there and pay this man ASAP? Um, For my fantasy dude, Jake, I mean, week after week, I think I 
go back, teeter between Miles Gask and Jalen Waddle. I figured I'd go a different route than I usually do. And um, well, I'm going with Tua Tungvaloa. As crazy as that might sound, I don't see any way the Dolphins can win this game without Tua having the game of his life. I mean, you mentioned it, whether it's garbage time, you know, we saw him. Back in week 17, I think he put up decent numbers despite how bad they, you know, from a fantasy standpoint. So the last two right. weeks, he had completed 65 of 87 passes for 620 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions for a 74.71 completion percentage. So again, whether it's daily fantasy, I'm in some two quarterback leagues, or if you just need someone to start over Lamar Jackson, I'm going to say, man, start to a tongue of a low because again, I don't see any way the Dolphins can even stay in this game without him having the game of his life. And he's been running the ball more and he's had those opportunities to score with his legs too, which is another opportunity. And Josh, I mean, garbage time, that, that is music to any fantasy player's <laughs> ears. You think of someone like Jalen Hurts, he's about to get benched for Gardner, Gardner Minshew, but the fantasy community loves him because he's the second overall quarterback on the year. Yeah. I mean, and that's, <laughs> you're hundred percent right, Jake. And you know, maybe that just, maybe that's why I have him here because I do expect some of that garbage time points. And yep. you know, that's probably the perfect segue into our predictions, Jake. I don't have too much written down here. The dolphins are 13 and a half point underdogs and the over under is at 48. So I don't know how you see this game going, Jake. I mean, at the top of this, I was going to joke 19 to 72 because you know, the dolphins, you know, perfect season, but I've written down here 41, 27 bills. I, again, I would like to see it be a much closer, but I just don't know how it can be with the Bills coming off that bye week and just looking as good as they have. You know, with two weeks to prepare for a dismal defense like the Miami Dolphins have been, I just don't see how it could be any different. The Dolphins have cleaned up their turnovers in recent weeks in terms of fumbles, Josh, uh, but they're still turning the football over, and now it's kind of changed to interceptions. With that in mind, I have a hard time seeing the Dolphins reaching the end zone too many times. I see a 34-20 to 20 game. Of course, I do want to put out there, and it might be me hedging my bet, but this would be the So Dolphins game to win. It'd be sloppy. It'd be ugly. It'd be like a 20 to 17 game, a uh, couple random fumbles, but uh, man, I don't, I don't see that happening. It'd be great though. You know, if, if Tua can keep it within seven, I think the only way they cover the spread is if we see the, you know, the peak Tua where he's not having those silly interceptions, the volume remains the same. You know, we know how accurate it is. And sometimes the ball just, you know, doesn't land in your receiver's hands. So I think that could be the difference in covering the spread. Uh, It's weird that I don't have any super positive, like, Hey, maybe this will happen. Maybe that will happen. Uh, But I guess once in a while, you got to be a realist. You do. And I'm, I'm going to be a realist here and probably get lots of shit for this, but I have to ask you, Jake, if Tua struggles in this game at all, do you think, you know, Brian Flores does the Brian Flores thing and, you know, maybe throws Jacoby Brissett out there if he's fully healthy. Yeah, Josh, and I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one. I don't even want to think about that. No, because if, I don't either. I, I don't want to do a Monday pod about Jacoby Brissett again. I think that's probably been the hardest part about the season. I think we found some positives, but man, it's dark days. There is no sun if Jacoby Brissett is quarterback and we got to do a podcast about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that I even brought that up. But it just made me <laughs> think about it because I remember back in week 17, my first thought was if if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't out on the COVID list at that time. You know, he absolutely probably would have been thrown into that game with how Tua was playing. So, damn, dude, this is this is a depressing podcast. But hopefully, you know, we try to give fans a little bit of hope heading into this Sunday. But spooky times ahead. And it happens to be, I think the Dolphins are a pretty successful team overall on Halloween. We go back to that Cameron Wake sack Cameron against Wake. Cincinnati Bagels. That one was a blast. I think that was Thursday Night Football too. Hey, man, spookier things have happened than the Dolphins losing. I mean, this... This whole season has been pretty spooky. And thank you guys for joining us. If you want more spookiness, you can follow Josh on Twitter at 
H-O-U-T-Z. He always tweets out the podcast. He tweets out highlights. He does everything you need. Uh, I can be found at jmendel94. Josh, it's been a blast. I wish all the best to the Miami Dolphins this weekend. I hope Tua's ribs don't explode on the second play of the ball game. And we have some positive notes to come back and reconvene and talk about come Monday. I want nothing more than that, Jake. And, you know, maybe the Dolphins, maybe this is how they turn their season around, right? Maybe they go up there and they beat the Buffalo all right, Bills. All right. so they settle rattle, down, off, settle they down. rattle off all these wins. You know, they get that 10-7 and seven record. Like I said, they make the playoffs. This is the start of that, man. This is the start of that. But, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Like Jake said, if there's ever anything you need, you reach out to us on Twitter, any questions you may have. But thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy your Halloween, and hopefully we get a Miami Dolphins victory. For Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next week. Fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.